ask and answer the original question, and that is, where are you going to live for all of eternity, heaven or hell? And I'm going to make sure you have a definite when you leave this building. I don't want it to be some spiritual thing you don't understand. I want you to know 100% if you're going to heaven or going to hell if you were to die today. I can't tell you for a fact what's in your heart or the way you live your life, but I can tell you for me and how I know. So there's three points I want to give you on how I know I am 100% sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. Point number one is this. I asked Jesus to be in charge of my life, and he began changing my life. Uh, for years, I tried to change myself, and I tried to force myself to do the right thing, and I tried to break addictions off my life. I tried and tried and tried and tried, and nothing seemed to work. For years before I got saved, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to spend my money my way. I wanted to spend my time my way. I wanted to live how I wanted to live. And I tried to do the right thing. I tried to come to church. I tried to serve God. And I would every now and then, but it was a headache and it just wasn't easy. And I just suffered. I thought it was just not cool. And I, and I kept going back to what I wanted to do. When I got saved, God changed the polarity of my heart. And now, I want to serve God, and I want to come to church, and I want to be part of a church body, and I want to make more money so I can give more money, and I want to give more time, and I want to help people. I still do the wrong thing. I can still make major mistakes, but it's much more difficult. It's easier to serve God. It's harder to do the wrong thing. It still happens, but the polarity of my heart wants to honor God. Philippians 2.13 says, Work out your own salvation. With reverence and trembling, discover what it really means to be saved. Because God is always at work in you, creating in you the power, and here's the big word, desire to do his will. Number two, the fruit of my life shows that I love Jesus. If you took a thousand people and they spent three months with me, day and night, and then at the end of the three months you asked them, is this man saved and going to heaven? They would say yes. If the thousand people walked with you for the next three months of your life, and at the end of those three months, they were asked, is this person going to heaven when they die? What do you think? What would they say? There are two analogies the Bible gives when it comes to salvation. One is the body of Christ. Serving Jesus is the body of Christ. That's one analogy. Another one is marriage. Um, if, if I asked you if you were married and you said, yes, I'm married, and then for the next three months, you never saw your spouse. When your spouse was hungry, you never fed them. Thirsty, you never gave them water. When your spouse was sick, you never visited them. You never ate lunch with your spouse. You never talked and spent time and walked with your spouse. I would say, you're probably not married. you say, no, I'm definitely married. And I'd say, but you don't have a relationship with your spouse. You're not hanging out with them. On Easter and Christmas, you high-five them or you go out to dinner with them and that's it. I'd have to say you're not married. Same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and every New Testament book says this. The best outward way to test how much we love Jesus is seen in how much we love and serve a local church family. Number three, I have gained 100% confidence that I'm going to heaven. This is a big one. I've gained it. When I first got saved, I was still battling, am I really saved or not? It went from 50% to 70% to 95 to 99, and now it's 100, and here's how. Two scriptures. Um, Romans 10, verse 17, faith and belief comes by hearing the word of God. Not I heard it on Easter and I'm done, but I'm hearing it on a regular basis. 1 Timothy 3.13, those who serve in church well will gain great confidence in their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Uh, there's something about serving a church body and being part of a family that will forever change your life. And for those of you that don't have a church family, I feel so sorry for you. Like, whoa, when you're discouraged, don't you want somebody to pray with you and encourage you? When you're lonely, don't you want to come to church and be around other believers that will fill you with faith? When your spouse is sick or when you're in the hospital or when something happens to one of your kids, don't you want people that will help serve you and speak good things into your life? The world is filled with so much negativity. It's filled with so much things that can discourage you. We should be running to places of worship. And listen, you don't have to choose this church. Choose some church somewhere, but go to a Bible-based church where the minister spends at least 20 hours a week on a sermon where you can understand it, apply it to your life, and be part of a church family that is imperfect, that is fallible, but they're the body of Christ. Last story I have is this. It's a true story. It's about um, this very, very, very rich, wealthy father. He owned a mansion, a huge estate. And he spent most of his lifetime collecting the most valuable pieces of art from all over the world. I mean, from centuries and centuries back. He had Picassos and Rembrandts and, and Raphaels. His whole house was filled with it. He had a son, and the story tells how when the son would come home from work in the evening, he and his father would sit in the room, and they would just admire all of the pieces of art that he had collected over the years. It was amazing. Whenever the Vietnam conflict occurred, the son went off to war. And unfortunately, one day in Vietnam, he was carrying one of his soldier buddies to safety, and he got shot in the back and was instantly killed. When the father was notified, he grieved as any father would. And um, a few months went by. And one day there was a knock at the door, and the father opened up the door, and it was the soldier that was carrying his son to safety whenever the, son, or the soldier that, that, that was being carried by the son whenever he died. And he was, had a big present in his hand. It was all wrapped up. And the, he told the father who he was, and the father opened up the present. And when he opened it up, it was a painting of the son. The soldier told the father, he said, your son told me how much you loved valuable pieces of art, how much you loved paintings. He said, I'm not a very good painter by any means. But I thought I would do this for you just to show my appreciation of what your son did for me, how he saved my life. When the father opened it up, it was amazing how the soldier had captured the personality of the son in that picture, in that painting. When the father looked at the eyes of his son, his own eyes swelled up with tears. And he tried to pay the soldier some money, but the soldier wouldn't accept it. And he said, I can't repay you know, for what your son did, and he went off. The father immediately took the painting and he brought it into the living room, the main focal point of the whole house, and he put the painting above the mantle. For the next several years, when people came to visit the father and to see his works of art, the very first picture he would show them was the picture of the son hanging up above the mantle. After several years, one day the father had a heart attack, and he died, and the estate was to be auctioned off. Everything, all the paintings, the entire mansion, and all. People came from all over the world. I mean, billionaires, millionaires from all over. The house was filled. The auctioneer arrived, and he put on the podium the very first picture to be auctioned off, which was that of the sun. He said, do I hear $200 for the sun? $200. The crowd was kind of appalled. One person yelled, what do you think you're doing? We didn't come here for that. We want the master paintings, the, the Picassos, the Rembrandts. But the auctioneer wouldn't stop. He said, 200 Do I hear $100? Will somebody give $100? Another person yelled out from the audience, Get on with it. Be done. Nobody wants that painting. Get to the good stuff. We came all the way around the world to purchase these, 
pieces of art. Finally, there was a very poor man at the back of the room. He was the longtime gardener of the father and the son. And he raised his hand and he said, I don't have much money. I have $10 on me. I'd like to purchase the painting of the son for $10. The auctioneer said, $10. Do I have $20? Anybody, $20. The crowd was getting more and more hostile. They said, what are you doing? Just give him the painting. Get on to the good stuff. $10 going once. Going twice. Sold to the gardener at the back of the room. Everybody clapped and cheered, not because the painting was sold, but because it was over, done with. Now they could get to the good stuff, the reason they came there. The auctioneer then laid his gavel on the podium, and he said, the auction is now ended. It's over. The crowd said, what are you talking about? There's the whole estate. There's all the paintings. Everything else is left, the cars, the property. The auctioneer said, there was a secret stipulation in the will that I wasn't able to discuss until this time. The will specifically stated the first painting to be auctioned off was that of the sun, and whoever gets the sun gets the entire estate, paintings and all. <laughs> Likewise, in the same way, whoever gets the free gift of the sun doesn't just get blessings right here. Man, they get all of this for all of eternity. It just goes on and on and on and on it goes. Whoever gets the Son gets everything. Now, we read earlier the scripture unbelief. I'm going to show you one more unbelief. Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is not my friend, not the one I see on Easter and Christmas, but is my Lord, and believe not in your head, but in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's what I want to do. Here's how I'm going to end. I have three final points. I'm just going to show you and read them. One of these three points, you really have to choose. I mean, honestly. You can't, I mean, if you choose none of them, you're really choosing point number one. These three points are very, very important. I'm going to lay it right out to you. I'm not going to make it over spiritual. I'm not going to do anything that's going to confuse you. It's totally and completely the truth, and here's the points. Number one is this. You can refuse Jesus as your Lord today. You can refuse to serve the body of Christ. And when you die, you'll spend all eternity in hell. Now, you don't have to believe this. You can spend the rest of your life researching. I've researched every single worldview there is. I researched um, every scripture in the Bible on salvation, eternity, heaven, and hell. And this is what the Bible says. Number two, you can accept Jesus as your Lord today, spend the rest of your earthly life living for yourself, and not serve the body of Christ, and then take a chance that you won't spend eternity in hell. In other words, you can today, you can raise your hand and say, okay, I'm saved, I believe Jesus is Lord, and then you leave here, and you can spend the rest of your life doing whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. Don't worry about the kingdom of God, don't worry about serving Jesus, don't worry about being part of a church body, and you can take a huge gamble that you're going to heaven. It's huge. I mean, huge. I personally don't think you'll go to heaven, but you can do whatever you want to do. It's still an option here. The third and final point, and Bob, can you wind up this and bring it here? I don't want anybody to trip on it on their way out. Bring it up here to the stage for me. Third and final point is this. You can accept Jesus today. You can spend the rest of your earthly life serving the body of Christ. That'll give you complete confidence that you're going to heaven, and it'll give you eternal rewards in heaven that'll last forever. Now, option three, I think, is the best one. 
I'd rather be safe than sorry. Here's the thing about option three. Let's say that I'm totally and completely wrong. Let's say that I've lost my head, and let's say that nothing is true, the Bible's not right. Let's say none of that's right. Even if you choose to serve a morality that's greater than you could ever imagine, being part of people that'll pray for you and encourage you and believe the best in you, isn't that just a great thing in itself, which, of course, this is all true. I'm just telling you, why would anybody not want to be part of the body of Christ? Here's the thing. I saw something on Facebook. If I can remember, it said this. It said, Jesus was offended more by the church than anybody else, yet he still goes every Sunday. Why would anybody not want to serve Jesus? You think that being saved is just something up here that, yep, I believe Jesus rose and died again. Now I'm done. I don't have to serve him. I don't have to be born. The the way we serve God is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. This is how we serve Jesus. So those are your options. Let's show them one more time. Number one. Number one, go to hell. Okay, next one. Number two, you can say that you're saved and then leave here and just not serve God anymore. Number three, or you can take the son. And when you accept the son, you don't leave him in here. You take the son with you. And you take him during the week. And you take him to your groups. And you take him to work. And then you come back Sunday and you get refilled up one more time. And you serve people and you give and you on. And then you take them out and you keep on going. Because whoever gets the son gets it all.